This podcast is part of the Tremula Network, adventure and outdoor podcasts off the beaten track. To find out more, head to tremula.network or find us on socials. Seize Your Adventure is part of the Tremula Network, adventure and outdoor podcasts off the beaten track. Hello adventurers, it's Fran Tarascus here and you are listening to Seize Your Adventure. I have a bonus episode for you as promised and we are actually veering a little bit away from the adventure path in this episode. So last time I spoke to Jewel Gibson and we got to hear about her epilepsy diagnosis and her personal challenge of running the New York Half Marathon. And we also heard a little bit about Jules' diagnosis with catamenial seizures, so seizures that are affected or triggered by changes in hormones. But I was also really interested to learn more from Jules as a mum. As well as her blog, Life's a Jewel, she has also done a short podcast series called Wellfit Mama. And in that, she talks about being a, a mum, and particularly a mum with epilepsy. And I wanted to know, how did epilepsy affect her pregnancy? And what kind of things did she have to do? What kind of steps did she have to take to make sure that both she and her baby were safe during the pregnancy and the birth? I also wanted to know whether there was anything that she really wanted to tell other women with epilepsy, because pregnancy and birth with epilepsy is something which isn't necessarily talked about that much. So I thought that I would take this part of the conversation and put it into its own episode, partly because Jewel does talk about some of the later stages of childbirth and aspects such as epidurals in semi-graphic detail. If you don't really want to hear that aspect of it, she starts talking about that around about seven and a half minutes into the actual conversation. Obviously, everything that Jewel talks about here is her specific circumstance. She talks about her personal journey with medication and her birth choices. This is all her personal experience with pregnancy and childbirth whilst living with epilepsy. And other people's experiences may be different. Situations may vary. But obviously, this is a really important and interesting conversation to have. And I thought that it would be useful to uh, not just the women, but anybody out there who is interested in this aspect of living with epilepsy. So here it is, my little bonus episode of my conversation with Jewel Gibson, a mum with epilepsy. You said that you had a son before the seizures happened and he was about two years old when they started, mm -hmm. but you, you did become pregnant after your diagnosis. It was a couple of years ago now, wasn't it? Yeah. How did you work with the doctors during your pregnancy, particularly because it, it is hormonal based, your epilepsy? So we did the sleep study because I was on a medicine every day. So I worked with the doctors to get off of an everyday med and get onto a rescue med. Um, because at that point, my seizures were very controlled and I would get auras. And the auras uh, would let me know when I was going to have a seizure. And like, I almost like, it was almost like depending on the aura, I knew how much time I had before I would have a seizure. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like somebody who can, who has asthma and they feel themselves wheezing. It's kind of like, okay, I need to take, take my asthma pump 
and they're suppressed, whatever, feeling they're having and will open up their lungs for them to be able to breathe. It was pretty much similar for me. So getting the, the nasal mist, which is the medazolam, the nasal mist spray that you spray into your nostrils and it's a rescue man. And I was on that until I became pregnant. So that I did my sleep study around like February, March of 2014. I got married in September 2014. And then I was pregnant by February, March, September 15th. I mean, February, March 2015. So, well, the doctors suggested when I started talking about getting married and having a baby that I, that I planned six months before each pregnancy to um, have the baby. That way they get a chance to see what my levels are. They get a chance to do an EEG, a new EEG on me and see what's going on with my meds and how I'm focused and how I'm functioning on my meds. And then based on that, give me a regimen to follow as far as my medication was concerned with prenatal vitamins and stuff like that. And then both of my doctors work together, well, all three. So I have a PCP, a primary care physician, PC, a, P, <laughs> a primary care PCP, a primary care physician. I can see why you shortened that one. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, and I also have a um, neurologist, and then I had the um, OB, the gynecologist. And so it was really, like, I had to work with all three doctors because, like, my PCB knew me since I was born. Um, and then the OB was taking care of the baby, and then um, the neuro was taking care of me. So... Yeah. It was like working with three different people who had three different purposes in the situation, but all with the same goal to make sure me and the baby was okay. It became difficult at times because sometimes the neuro and the OB did not agree on some of the methods that were being used. So then like because of my seizures, I was a high risk pregnancy. So I was always at the doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're a high risk pregnancy, you're at the doctor at least once a month. And then towards the end, most people only go to the doctor every few months. And then they go every two weeks when you get like after 30 something weeks, I was literally at the doctor every month. And then after about six months, I was at the doctor almost every two weeks. And then the last two months I was at the doctor every week. So it was really intense. Yes. Um, but the, the silver lining in that is that I got to see the baby a lot. <laughs> I got to see yeah. uh, the baby on a sonogram a lot, which was really cool, which I didn't experience with my first son. So, um, normal pregnancy, you know, you get to see the baby maybe four times, three to four times in the, in the nine month span. And in the nine month span, I had seen the baby several times. And so that was super cool about, um, you know, being high risk and like experiencing pregnancy on this end of it. But I didn't experience any full body seizures. However, I did have like, I, I did have somewhat of an aura and, and one of my auras is like a facial jitter or, and it'll happen like um, usually before I have a seizure, but thankfully the seizure never happened and that happened to me twice. Oh, okay. Yeah. And because it's hormonal based, you know, the doctors were saying, well, they, it was trying to like, you know, make sure my hormones were at a okay level and then I, I made sure I took the medicine when I needed to take the medicine. And the type of medicine that I was taking, the medazolam, it doesn't cause any birth defects. So that was very helpful to be to feel reassured that I can take the medicine while I was pregnant and breastfeed and there not be any worry about it affecting the baby. Yeah, that's it. I think that for me, 
seeing seeing pregnancy I'm not as familiar with it it feels like it would be quite stressful anyway <laughs> having yes. to go through all Either of that way. at the same time is certainly something which is is quite admirable and definitely when you've got that thing which you can at least know that the medication you're taking is not affecting the baby it's then more about how you're feeling on it that's that's one weight off your mind I'm assuming right yeah it, it was the only down another downfall that I did experience was because my OB wasn't really well versed in having a patient with seizures. It was difficult for me during the birthing process to convince him to not get an epidural. Okay. So that was twofold because it's like, okay, well, if you have a seizure, I'm cutting you open immediately. Like, and I'm getting the baby out. Mm -hmm. And, but then it's kind of just like, well, I'm not sure if you can manage your pain tolerance, even though my seizures are hormonal based they also trigger by other things so if i'm sick if i if i drink too much alcohol if i don't get enough sleep if i'm stressed out those things are triggered as well mm. so i feel like i have like a the, the perfect form of like having catamino seizures and i have like sometimes i'll have like myoclonic seizures as well that are due to other things and so he's just like i'm nervous that you may have a seizure because of the stress level and you have never had a baby after your diagnosis so I feel like in order to make sure this goes well, I want to keep you as comfortable as possible. Mm. That could be difficult for a mom that wants to have a natural childbirth because the childbirth experience is very stressful. It's stressful on your body, not like stressful, like the process, but like it's stressful on your body. So your body is going through a lot and it's changing a lot in a matter of hours to birth a human. Mm. And so I can only imagine what is happening inside of your body during that process. And so to be in pain and to be like sleep deprived and all those things um, during that time. And like, people don't know that child, like childbirth is the closest that you can ever come to dying as far as like the pain level is concerned. To know all those things, I think he was really scared to put me in a position where he was unsure about how I would handle it. And so we had a conversation about talking through me getting an epidural. I had my first son, natural childbirth. And so I was a little apprehensive because I'm not really big on like medicine, medication, and needles, especially since I'm already taking medication. So to add all the extra things into your body always makes me feel, um, feel away because I, I want to make sure that I'm not like over um, medicating my body. So that was a concern and my husband and I talked about it and I felt like it was in my best interest to do it, even though I was against it, but I was more for having a healthy baby and the process being okay than for me to have what I wanted and things not go the way that they should have gone. Mm. So ultimately I went through with getting the epidural. Um, however, like the doctor, the anesthesiologist couldn't get the epidural in my back for like two hours. <laughs> I ended up getting it and not really needing it because by the time he got it in my bag, I was like, um, I don't think this is working. He was like, <laughs> so I had the nurse call and he came back down to like 15 minutes later. And he was like, well, okay, well, let me, so they take the scalp and they run it up and down your arm and your legs to see if you can feel anything. So he's right. He's doing that. And he's like, well, do you feel this? And I'm like, no. He's like, would you feel this? And I'm like, no. So he was like, well, um, your legs are in, like, are numb. Um, I don't know what you're feeling. Let me call the doctor down. So he calls the doctor down. I guess by the time they got the epidural into my back, it takes a little while for it to actually like kick in. Mm. So by the time they got it in, I was already crowning and the baby was already about to come down. So it was kind of like pointless. 
Yeah. It was like no need at that point. So I ended up giving birth to the baby because I and I could feel everything. And that was about maybe forty five minutes to an hour from the time that I started crowning until he came out. And at that point is when I didn't feel anything else anymore. I didn't feel anything else. My legs were completely numb. I couldn't move them. That was when I stopped feeling everything. Um, and it was just like, well, I kind of got what I wanted. And the doctor kind of got what he wanted all at the same time. So <laughs> I guess it was a win-win situation. And my son came out healthy and he was fine. So I know like during my pregnancy, I got a lot of questions. I had a lot of worries as a mother. But I definitely, that's one thing that I am very um, happy that I decided to, to move forward with because now I know that my story could be something that other women um, look at and, and see that they can have the same opportunity, even though that they have epilepsy or whatever seizure disorder that they may have, they can still have healthy babies and everything can still go as planned and still move normally. So there it is for you. I hope that that was interesting, useful, perhaps inspiring. And obviously, if you do have any questions for Jewel, she does have a bit more information about living with epilepsy and being a parent with epilepsy on her own personal blog. Do go and check it out if you are interested in that. A reminder for you that support for this podcast does come from yourself, the listener, So if you are finding value in this kind of work and you want me to continue telling stories of epilepsy and adventure and life adventures as well, please do consider signing up as a patron. If you head to patreon.com forward slash seizure adventure, you can sign up as a patron for as little as $3 a month. So at the moment that works out at less than $1.50 per episode. That is less than the price of a coffee and certainly less than the price of a half pint of beer. So please do consider just um, donating a little bit of that each month to me. It really helps me to be able to bring this to you. It pays for not only things like the, the podcast hosting, it also pays for my time and it helps me to pay for things like the transcripts. So I have managed to get transcripts done for all of the first series now. I'm working hard on getting the transcripts available for the second series. But in the meantime, you can actually find the episodes on YouTube. I finally managed to upload them to YouTube and you can see the auto transcripts on there. Um, It will just help you if you are having difficulty listening to any of the episodes. You might find that a bit easier. But I will have the full transcripts for series two on their way as soon as possible. And like I say, if you are able to sign up as a uh, patron, it really does help me do this kind of extra work and just take a little bit of extra time to make sure that the podcast is as good as I can get it, essentially. That is enough of a ramp for me for the moment. Um, I will be bringing you another full episode at the start of August, so keep an eye out for that. That's going to be with Chris Winwood who you might have heard before, is actually one of my patrons already. So it was a great opportunity to speak to him. You get to hear a little bit more from him next month. In the meantime, I hope you are out there enjoying some of the freedom that we now have. And until next time, safe adventures, everyone. This podcast is part of the Tremula Network. Adventure and outdoor podcasts off the beaten track. To find out more, head to tremula.network.